What's up, kid folk? Welcome to the number one college football show. I am your host, RJ Young. Thank you for watching on the Fox Sports app, YouTube, or listening wherever you get your podcast. Today on the show, we're going to go through my week nine USFL power rankings ahead of week 10, which has got everything to play for for almost all the teams in the league. Very excited about this final regular season weekend. But first, the Big Ten introduced its new model going into 2024 and 2025. But we are so excited about it here on the number one college football show, and it is mid-June, honestly, that we are going to go in-depth on what this means and tell you why the Big Ten basically decided to stunt on the SEC and why I think the Big Ten really got their scheduling model correct. So let's just backtrack for a little bit. On Thursday last week, right, again, a Thursday in mid-June, the Big Ten put on its big boy britches, and uh, the league brass revealed a 2024 scheduling model that is delicious, like a 12 high stack of pancakes, six slices of bacon, two bananas, two glasses of whole milk, a cup of coffee, and uh, a bib to catch everything that you miss. Like, it, it is scrumptious. That Big Ten Big Noon, that's a balanced breakfast over there, Big and It's going to be a lot of fun over there. Now, look, I think this is the way that a super conference is supposed to schedule. And I'm going to get to this, but I think this is what we all expected from the SEC when it announced what its scheduling model was going to look like in 24-25. Now, back to the Big Ten real quick. They're calling this thing the Flex Protect Plus Framework which feels like a line of products that the late, great Billy Mays would have picked, pitched to me in an infomercial following a high and flinty night of Pac-12 football. Going to sleep, just be watching that. And you can keenly, key that, or keenly see that they're trying to protect existing rivalries. And I really think that they are making the point that they want these brands to tilt a lance a lot. Like, we're going to get to see them in the stalls going to absolutely at it. And one of the ways that they did this was they did what we have been asking them to do basically since they started it, drop divisions. We had leaders and legends, which was awful. Now we got the Big Ten East, the Big Ten West. The Big Ten East is so lopsided that the Big Ten West feels like a little brother. And that's how it has normally gone in the Big Ten championship game. But they have protected all the rivalries that you care about, right? Those are the ones in white. For those of y'all that are watching on the YouTubes or on the app, and you got two opponents for the most part that you're going to play most years, right? So, yeah, some even have three permanent opponents, or some are Penn State who don't have any. Penn State showing Notre Dame how to be in a conference without ever actually being in a conference. So, what this means is Ohio State, Michigan, protected. Michigan, Michigan State, protected. Maryland, Rutgers, Protect it. You're supposed to laugh there. We, you, you get it, right? Because Maryland Rutgers, Rutgers came in, and Maryland Rutgers ain't really been to no you know, Big Ten championship game. But they're going to call it a rivalry, and they're going to protect it, okay? What this means is everybody gets their turn to run through the Midwest Morador Corridor. Yeah, I like that. I'm keeping that. Uh, TM, number one college football show. 2024, though, Michigan's got a schedule. Well... As an infant in the conference, we're looking at USC and what they're going to get to be a made man. But Michigan's got a schedule like the OG and the B1G, except 2024, this is what it looks like for them. Okay, Give you a taste of what's going on. They're going to play at Ohio State, at USC, 
perhaps give UCLA the coldest welcome to the Midwest at the big house. I really want that game to be at night in November, but since they're probably not going to play that game at night, I can at least hope that it'll be played in November so that LA can get all this cold that I got when I was there. My goodness, it was cold in Ann Arbor. This is in addition to Michigan having to play Fresno State, Arkansas State, and Texas out of conference. Yo, what? Okay, all right. So much for uh, scheduling Hawaii and UConn. My goodness, 2024, Michigan going to be going through it. But not just them. The newbies, they're going to get the woodshed too here. Now, again, USC, an infant in the conference, right? But a made man in the sport has inadvertently put together a schedule that's about as soft as a two-ton hammer dropped on a rotting wood floor. Look here, 2024 USC. My God, the dance doubles as a four-month-long kumite for the Trojans. LSU in Vegas, San Jose State, Notre Dame, Michigan, Illinois, Iowa, Wisconsin, all at home or neutral. And then you're at Maryland, you're at Northwestern, you're at Penn State, you're at Purdue, and you're at UCLA. Now, the order laid out here is going to change for obvious reasons, but the difficulty is stuck on all Madden, and you can't run from this, USC. You want to be the last FBS program in history to never play an FCS opponent? Cool. This is what's going to wait you year in and year out. Won't be too long till I expect to see a Tennessee State on y'all's schedule too. Now, this is true for everybody, right? Since we got this realignment out of, you know, that home office in Chicago. And as I wrote in a roundtable for FoxSports.com in May, Nebraska <laughs> needs Matt Rule to get a move on because, well, they're about to really run into a buzzsaw in 2025. Now, first you got Matt Rule having to rebuild Nebraska into something resembling what was the early 2000s Nebraska uh, and hope to build something like the 90s Nebraska. But, you know, you're talking about watching Purdue and Northwestern having played in the Big Ten championship game, and in the case of Northwestern, twice but Nebraska never once getting there, coming out of what I've already said was a weaker side of the conference in the Big Ten West. And really, that's been the bugaboo for the Huskers. They can actually win games against most Big Ten East opponents. It's the Big Ten West where I think they're like 500, where they really had a problem. Can't be Minnesota, can't beat Illinois, can't be Northwestern, can't be Purdue. You know, down the list we go here, Wisconsin. Now, what's wild, though, is rather than try to give the Huskers a break, Chicago decided not Nebraska. Somebody got to hold all these L's. Somebody got to have the schedule of schedules. Like, we're going to be talking about this schedule if it breaks that right. We're going to be talking about that schedule all year. Because in 2024, USC's got the hard run. 2025, Nebraska's dance card looks like a murderer's row. And since we're here and I'm a historian, you got to know that murderer's row was a set of adjoining cells in New York's Hall of Justice, a.k.a. the Tombs. And it predated the Civil War, and it's actually where they kept all the more murderers in the prison in New York, hence Murderer's Row. So before the doggone Yankees became the 1927 Yankees, who were Murderer's Row, we actually had a Murderer's Row. Which is another way of saying, have you ever played Doom Eternal and tried to run all the way through? You know how you die? All the time? Unless you were just the twitchiest? That's what they're looking at. They're looking at running the Doom Eternal version of the Big Ten schedule. And the reason that we know this to be true is they got to go play 
USC, Michigan, Ohio State, and UCLA all in the same year. I don't think I would have put that one together for myself. You know what I mean? Like I, I, I think I would have called somebody kind of like Arkansas in 2021 and go, hey, 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 what is this? What gives? What do you mean we got to play all of these people in the same year? No, 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 no. We, you got, y'all got to do it. Do it again. Redraw the lines. <laughs> Redo the lottery because this can't be what we have to face. Because with that, you're looking at six and six and wanting to celebrate it, but you're not going to get any credit for that because it's six and six. But that is the kind of scheduling that we want to see. Like the Big Ten actually operated like they got a television property they got to take care of. Like they got to have casuals watching the the teams play to get people involved. Like it almost matters that you want to see not just Michigan, Ohio State, but Michigan, UCLA, Ohio State, and USC. You want to see if USC can go up to Madison, Wisconsin in November and hold their own. Cool. You want to see how does the travel affect USC going to Rutgers? I mean, goodness me. USC versus Rutgers is going to be a game you watch, and I'm going to call it Tupac versus Biggie. I'm going to call it Tupac versus Biggie because California love, Tupac core, RIP, but also because Rutgers might as well be Biggie Smalls. And for those of y'all that want to give me the guff about him and his iceberg sweater, let me remind you, Biggie is from Bed-Stuy and went to private school. 41 miles away from New Brunswick, he Rutgers, okay? He Rutgers. If, if Syracuse was in the Big Ten, he'd be Syracuse. Don't, 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 don't you try to give me no biggie gutter than that. Nah, I don't care what his lyrics is like, okay? That dude went to private school, grew up in Bed-Stuy, grew up 41 miles away from New Brunswick. That dude closer to being from Staten Island than he is from Brooklyn. You hear what I'm saying? Certainly not Brownsville. Hello. So, we get that. Meanwhile, we got to look at the SEC and we got to go, what do you mean you're only playing eight conference games a year instead of nine? The Big 12 plays nine, Pac-12 plays nine, Big 10 plays nine. Y'all want to play eight. Not only that, they're trying to say, hey, we've already said that they have to play one power five team out of conference. Yeah, well, that just means the SEC, y'all going to try to schedule Vandy twice and act like they ain't SEC. That's what that means. Don't nobody want to see y'all beat up on no Savannah State, no Mercer. Don't nobody want to see y'all play Tennessee Tech, Tennessee Martin. About Georgia beating the pants off of Jacksonville State, which is just outside of Birmingham to let y'all know what's really good. Look, the SEC is going to welcome the inclusion of Oklahoma and Texas by not doing a damn thing to make their league more exciting. Okay, that's 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 the point here. And as I wrote, Last week at FoxSports.com, the SEC looks like a conference just smart enough to request a fake ID and ask for a receipt with this, okay? Wanted us to look at them like they crazy. Look, I don't care about your legion of fans playing against crappy six and six teams or trying to get to five and seven so you can get a bowl game with a good APR score, okay? I'm looking at nose-to-nose Vanderbilt here going, what, 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 y'all can't make them play? everybody but you can make georgia not play everybody i just you're telling me that you're going to see your best two teams in the sec championship game cool you're telling me that the last game was 65 to 7 cool if you have the best conference in football don't you think we would like to see you play each other why would you hide that from us 
Why would you not want to have Oklahoma playing Georgia, Alabama every other year, having Texas play Alabama, Georgia every other year? Why wouldn't you do that? That's what we want to see. That's what the sport is about. The sport is not about ducking and dodging and trying to build a schedule soft enough to get you undefeated into December. It's about, no, we want your best versus our best. This is why I was standing on the table telling you to expand the playoff, you cowards, because I'm about putting it down, baby. Aren't you? You're a college football fan. You are here to see people run up against each other like freight trains. You are here to see best on best. You want to see Marvin Harrison going at that Georgia defense every weekend if you can. And might I add, that was one of the best games we watched all last season, and they were scared of it. They were scared of it. I don't want to see Alabama and Georgia playing the national championship game ever again. I want to see that decided among your nine conference games. Make this a national sport, not one where we just got to look at the Southeast and say that's what college football is. So I'm telling you, if you think SEC shot callers look like a bunch of fellas who bought their belt buckles at the antique pawn shop and then shot themselves in the foot with a six-shooter that was rusty, it's because they hit right where they were aiming, okay? They don't care that you and I want to see best on best every single week. They only care about protecting as many of their 16 teams from losses as they can, as opposed to sharpening each other to find out which one of them deserves the title of SEC champion. Once again, it's why I'm looking at the Big Ten who engineered a schedule that resembles Dodge City and steps its members out into the streets like Doc Halliday saying, I'll be your Huckleberry. Hell yeah. Now, with that scrumptious and delicious slate, somebody hand me a fork because I'm going to eat it all in 24 and 25. Okay. Let's go from that schedule, well, to what's ahead in the United States Football League as we take a look at my week nine power rankings. All right. So, number one, the Birmingham Stallions got back to the spot. They are seven and two. They won against Houston 38 to 15 last week. Alex Magoo looks like the guy who's probably going to win USFL MVP, but I thought that that person might have been Jamar Smith last year or even Kyle Sloter last year, and they said, no, RJ, it's Kevontae Turpin, and they were right. Kevontae Turpin becomes Dallas Cowboy, a pro bowler, and an all-pro as selected by his peers. Meanwhile, the Birmingham Stallions are the only team that has clinched a playoff bid among the three or four spots that are available, so everybody else has something to play for, including the team that is playing against the Birmingham Stallions this weekend. Number two, I got the New Orleans Breakers. They beat Memphis in a weather-delayed game, 31-3. to The Breaker defense starred in that win, holding Memphis to just three points, as you can see by the score, but also had the three interceptions in that game. And my goodness, with the South Division basically being the place where we have the most opportunity to, I should say, I should say we have perhaps the team with the best chance to win the championship. I have already booked travel to go to Birmingham on June 25th to see who wins that game and to write about it. Very excited to see who the Birmingham Stallions are going to play in it. Protective Stadium, I expect people to show out because, well, Birmingham has a tremendous fan base, and I'm sure that they are used to them winning. 
And it would be a shock if they did not. Number three on the list, I got a three and six team. <laughs> I got the New Jersey Generals. I got the New Jersey Generals because they managed to pull off a win 37-33 against Philadelphia. And they're still in it. They're still in the playoff hunt. They got an 85-yard kickoff return for a TD from Cam Eccles-Looper. That's the fourth kickoff return for a TD this season in the USFL. DeAndre Johnson became the first quarterback for the New Jersey Generals to pass for more than 200 yards in a game. He was 15-20 for 213. My goodness. They have an opportunity to get into the playoffs this week with a win. At 3-6, and six, they could go to 4-6. and six. In the XFL, they had a 4-6 and six win, uh, team win the XFL championship. I'm telling you that you could be looking at the same thing in the USFL come July 1st when the championship game is going to be played in Canton, Ohio at Tom Benson Pro Football Hall of Fame Stadium. Try saying that four times fast. Number four on the list, I got the Philadelphia Stars. They are four and five with the loss to New Jersey. Despite Case Cook is going for 25-39 for 322 with three TDs, Corey Coleman has become the receiving leader in the USFL with just over 600 yards receiving. They're going to need a big game from him this weekend to make sure they get into these playoffs in a good spot. Number five, we got Houston at five and four. They lost to the Saudis, as I mentioned, 38-15, and they did not get an MVP-like effort from their MVP candidate in one, my goodness, Mark Thompson is just out there, 59 rush yards for on 17 carries. On the other hand, I got to give it up to John Chavis and that defense. They were outstanding in that game. Really put the clamps down on that Houston offense. Number six, I got the Memphis Showboats, who have taken a precipitous fall after their loss 31-3 to New Orleans at home in Simmons Bank Liberty Stadium. They were plus five in turnover margin going into that game, and they had five turnovers in four quarters in that game. That's how you lose a football game 31-3, to okay? They got to get a win this weekend, I believe against the Doggone Stallions, to get into the playoffs to have an opportunity to play against the Doggone Stallions once again in the South Division Championship. Number seven, I got the Pittsburgh Maulers, who scored a touchdown on offense and beat Michigan 19-7. to Hello. But this was also a game where the defense and the special teams were the stars. We had an 83-yard punt in that game. And I have never seen a broadcast booth, a broadcast crew so excited about a punter bombing one 83 yards through the air because we were talking about it for two straight series. Then we had a 64-yard kickoff return to open the game, three-quarters of holding Michigan scoreless by that Maulers defense, and they have been outstanding. Jaron Horton is a star in the USFL. And we don't really get to say that much about our coaches because most of our coaches in the USFL have had careers in the NFL college before this. Jaron Horton is really making his mark as a young guy and his second year's defense coordinator for the Maulers. This year, coaching for his dad, Ray Horton Jr., big part of why Ray Horton wanted to be head coach of the Pittsburgh Maulers. And they have an opportunity to make the playoffs after really being a cellar dweller for most of the season. And then number eight, I have the Michigan Panthers at three and six. They took the loss to Pittsburgh with a chance to take out the Maulers in the playoff race and take control of the North Division. No, they could muster just 245 yards and quarterback Josh Love threw four interceptions and made a win just unlikely. So they are also playing for their playoff lives this Saturday. That means both Saturday and Sunday are games uh, have four games that you need to watch to see just who the four teams remaining in the tournament are going to be. All right. 
That is going to do it for this episode of the number one college football show. My thanks as always to our lead producer, Tyler Wojak. Our senior producer is Catherine Donnelly. Our director is Gabe Sable. Our production assistant is Kiara Santana. Our social media maven is Javion Duncan. Our leads of screening are Jack Coakley and Torn Westfall. I'm the host, RJ. We will see y'all on Friday. Deuces.